Welcome to Breaking the Glass Slipper. I'm Charlotte Bond. I'm Lucy Hounsom. And I'm Megan Lee. Today we're asking, why is it only young girls who get to do the cool stuff? Why are mothers always defined by their relationship to their children? Why don't grandmothers kick ass? When it comes to horror, is it because the old people just can't run fast enough from the monster and so end up getting eaten? Is it because our science fiction vision of the future is filled with beautiful young people? And is it because in our medieval fantasy stories, all the women are worn out by the childbearing and high mortality rates? So, ladies, can we think of any books or films or TV show that have elderly female or even elderly male protagonists? Yeah, I mean, the the protagonist thing is the the kind of hitch in this. Um, because, you know, I immediately think, oh, yeah, males. Oh, wait, not protagonist. Oh, because, you know, the the one that immediately pops into my head, being the nerd that I am, is Star Wars and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, but again, you know, these it, it's not the protagonist. And, and that's, I think, the, the bit where we kind of trip over the most, because mm-hmm. I personally can't think of anything just off the top of my head where it's an old protagonist okay i've got a good one for you terry pratchett uh granny weatherwax and nanny og the witches protagonists all three of them uh granny weatherwax in particular is like you know one of the main characters in the discord series and and she's granny weatherwax you know she's not a young woman and um i was talking to my sister about this earlier and i thought my god you know that that's such a it's such a good example but we never really remember about pratchett um maybe because he's always kind of like oh he just writes comic fantasy but he's so important and actually it's he does so many of these um sub, you know he he subverts so many tropes without appearing to do so um but yeah i thought granny weatherbacks is a great example well i agree and i know that on one of the um forum links that uh, megan sent around that someone made the very insightful comment that terry pratchett writes caricatures and yet manages to imbue them with character which i think is a really valid point that granny weatherwax and nanny og and uh, you know eventually Macrat when she gets a bit older are very are very comic they're very i suppose we could almost go stereotypical old women and yet they have strength and he picks up their flaws and almost turns them into strength like granny weatherwax is incredibly stubborn but that means she always gets the job done. And it may not be, you know, the normal way around of doing things, but there is, you know, she always does manage it. So I thought that was a good example. Another Pratchett one I quite liked was the um, the Silver Horde, which I know is supporting, but it's um, Conan the Barbarian and all his gang. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. Is that um, the last hero are you thinking of? There is. They are in the last hero, but I'm pretty sure they're in, there's one with two flower as well. The but other yeah. one I was just reading, I saw in an article, and of course it reminded me of it, is um, Tenar from uh, Earthsea, uh, who is a, is, well, she has two stories. I mean, she's got um, the tombs of Atuan when she's actually a young priestess, but then she's got uh, a point of view, she's a point of view character in uh, Tihanu, the last book, uh, and she's much older by that point. She's had children of her own, so she's, um, you know, probably in her 50s. Um, so she, she's a protagonist. Well, in um, the Fantasy Faction forum post that was sent around, someone called Jan talked about Traitor Spy by Trudy Canavan, which has the same protagonist as the um, the Magician's Guild, but older and with kids. And they made one kid. Uh, yeah. Is it one kid? Oh, have you one read it? Kid. What did you think of it? 
Um, uh, I didn't. It didn't gel with it uh, quite as much as I loved the Black Magician trilogy. Uh, mm. It's un- and often my own books are compared to Canavan. Um, we kind of have similar styles. I I love um, her, Sonia, Sonia, Um I love her. She's a wonderful character. Um, I think she's still brilliant. I think she works really well as an older character. She, For me, it's funny because I read the first trilogy. It, she doesn't really seem that different. She's just more assured of herself. Um, and she's, But she's got the same fire as she always has done. Um, so she doesn't really come across as particularly much older. Um, and also that possibly is reinforced by the fact that her son is not there with her. He's um, abroad in Sachaka doing dangerous things. So you don't actually see that. If I play devil's advocate here, why would we necessarily change that much when we get older? Because, you know, my mum makes fun of me all the time because when I was a very small child, I was asking for Star Wars on VHS. I got a little bit older and I was asking for Star Wars on DVD. And then like two (laughs) years ago for Christmas, I was asking for Star Wars on Blu-ray. Now, uh, that's, you know, 30-odd years passing, and I've not changed at all. And uh, for anyone who knows my dad, hey, dad, regular listener, uh, (laughs) he is uh, absolutely, I I don't think, has aged a day since, you know, he was maybe 10. Sorry, dad. You know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, harsh truth. No, no, but he's just, uh, you know, that that energy and and sense of wonder, I'm amazed that he still has it. and I'd say that if you read a story with my dad as a protagonist, I don't know if you'd necessarily know that he was 60. So that's interesting. So then does it come down to the way that they're physically described? Um, because especially with when we were talking about the Trudy Canavan example, uh, there really isn't huge... She doesn't go to huge depths to describe her character in either trilogy. Uh, she's just the same kind of character same person she doesn't feel like she's um really changed that much and and so maybe you know does it matter that is what i'm trying to what i'm getting at is is the physicality of it is that what we associate with youth if it's not personality personally i think this this shows why it's so dodge that there's not more um older characters or older protagonists because the point is that we can be very similar people so why aren't there more of us um so yeah i'd say the physicality is is kind of what is lacking that representation is lacking when it doesn't need to be because i could be 15 and really precocious or i could be 75 and really precocious um you know it doesn't it doesn't matter and i just think that it's it's sad that that just doesn't seem to get played out in the book world it's interesting because i think there is a big difference between your teenagers and your uh well i would say in writing there's a big difference between your teenagers and with your your older characters so when you're a teenager and i think one of the reasons why young people are so you know, sort of good for fantasy is because they're finding out things and they're discovering things. So if you're going to go into a fantasy world where you're world building from scratch, having the innocent young um, teenager going along and discovering the the sort the legend of the sword of Scarrow or whatever it is, uh, is a way for your reader to be into the fantasy world. Whereas if you've already got someone old and hardened, jaded, and 
<laughs> and knows everything there is to see about this world and doesn't see the magic in it can that really draw your reader in because by that point your protagonist is going to know everything it, nothing is going to be particularly new and while that's you know a good character trait and a supporting character to help you feel stability is it going to really work as a protagonist when what you want to do is to have your reader seeing wonder so nothing to do with the fact that you know they're not relatable it's just for your fantasy world it's not the right they're not the right person no that's interesting that you picked up on on the fact that you know they're supposed to know it all they're they're kind of they, they don't they've gone through that experience because i think that's actually part of the way that we dehumanize kind of older people megan said something in her email that the fact that they're not allowed to be hedonistic they're not allowed to be um naive or green or you know innocent um and and why has that come about i mean i think it's something to do with the um um, the what the, the the archetype of the wise old mentor that has become the archetype has become so powerful that actually it, it's it's it kind of sucks away so the any any chance of kind of an individual character um and i think that's such a shame that we've you know why are we kind of forgetting older people and all of their because all of their experience I mean there are some if you you look at my grandma for example I mean I I don't I've never obviously I don't know her when she was you know when she was very young but she's certainly she's so much fun and and she certainly isn't anything like a a, a stereotypical old person in brackets because she's you know she's great she gambles she drinks she swears um she's so much herself she's so much um you know a real person and i think the fact that we we don't this isn't reflected in literature we've we've kind of like um dismissed uh, anyone over a certain age as becoming part of this archetype of wisdom that they're only allowed to be experienced that they're only allowed to dispense knowledge to the young person who then goes on and 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 inherits the responsibility is that all old people are allowed to do now just pass on the baton to the young I mean, I'd like to pick up on what Charlotte was saying about how, um, like, you know, young people are coming to something new and they've got that, they're, they're learning. And then through that, you can sort of get across a lot of world building. I mean, I'd say there are two things there. One, it's a little bit the easy way out or, you know, the lazy way to always do world building. If that's, you know, the, the way that you always do it. I'm not saying that there's necessarily anything wrong with that. But if that's, you know, your only way into it maybe think of something a bit different it would be nice to see something different but then also I think you know the idea that an an older person can't be coming to something new um is also you know very strange you know what about people who have just never traveled but then they retire and suddenly they have money and oh they're gonna fly around the world you know that that sense of wonder is absolutely there if they've never been away or it could just be changes in the society how does that fit into your fantasy world though and how would that fit into your horror world because those aren't necessarily horror things uh, or fantasy things you wouldn't necessarily get someone retiring and going yes i'm going to fly around my fantasy world i suppose unless they were the witches from terry pratchett no but i mean there's i mean there are so many things you could do like maybe um you know this old woman she's had several kids or whatever and like her granddaughter's having trouble and she needs help with a family but she's across she's moved across a continent or something and she's gonna set out and and go forth and she's having an adventure um i I don't know it could be anything 
but I mean, the example I was thinking of, which isn't sort of um, isn't a man, uh, an older person with wonder, but just sort of that that kind of hardened older character that is the protagonist that still manages to explore new aspects of the world um, would be for Blade Runner. So there you have a character who's very, you know, established in his ways and all of that. And we still get a great sense of world building. We get a kind of a softening. So you could go the other way. Um, and I definitely think that there's, there is just enough. There's more than enough that we should be able to have older characters in there and interest readers and, and get people on board with that. And I, I just think it's a little bit sad that, I, you know, whether it's the writers who think that people aren't going to want to read about a protagonist who is older or if it's publishers or I don't know what it is, but. Well, I think you're picking up on the fact that it's the media and that it's our culture of um, the cult of the youth which is everywhere. It's in our advertising. It's in it's in front of our faces. It's in magazines. It's on the television. Everywhere you look, it's all about how to be younger, you know, how to turn back time, how to like, you know, stop the aging process. And I think that's bled down through into the creative industries and into films and books. And that's why you have some these kind of dangerous um, archetypes that have, that, that have kind of swallowed up any chance of older people um having any kind of validity as a protagonist in their own stories can i just ask megan when you said you were talking about blade runner which blade runner did you mean the current one that they're making now or the previous one no the original which you know is obviously um you know the adaptation of dick but i've not actually read the book so i can only go from the film So you said having an older character. Were you talking about Harrison Ford in that respect? Yeah, but I mean, okay, yeah, he's not super old. But I'm just saying that in terms of his role in that world is not from the perspective of a young person, bright and new. So Absolutely. Yeah, no, no, I wasn't wasn't flooring you from that point of view. (laughs) But, But it did pick up on something interesting that I thought of and that came out in the threads as well, is what do we classify as old? Because in medieval fantasy, sorry, in fantasy, which is based on a medieval kind of society as I said in the introduction you know women would get worn out by childbearing and they had high mortality rates and you'd be lucky to live past 50 old in the fantasy world is either someone extremely old that you know is like say wise and wizened and and whatever or it is someone who's just in their 50s or 30s or 30s (laughs) and looking at some of the threads a lot of people a couple of people are going oh well I think so and so is old and someone replying yeah but it says they're only 50 and somebody else going well I'm only 50 and I don't think of myself as old so where where is the dividing line between older and old I think for the purposes of this discussion which is about the fact that there's a lack of these characters it's pretty much anyone that's not I'd say teenager to like early 20s because once you start hitting 30 and you get into like middle age they become a lot rarer in terms of being protagonists so that's exactly the problem is that you know it's even hard just to find a middle-aged protagonist let alone an an elderly protagonist so I'm not sure it really matters in terms of what you would classify as an older character just that the fact that there's not a good range and we're not seeing that representation in the books that are being published. No, absolutely. 
But if we think about a film, a couple of um, months back, um, this podcast did a, a series on um, villainesses and thinking about older women. And as they got older, they seemed to turn into the villain and be, you know, very much um, sexualized. Whereas you get older men like Harris Ford, you were just mentioning, uh, and he gets some great roles that isn't defined by being a villain and isn't defined by being, you know, sexualized or anything I mean, like that. Well, so. maybe for you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, <laughs> I'd say, but you also get the thing where you have the the older woman who she's she might be that old crone, but also you get the other side of it, which is the kind of doddery, um, ridiculous kind of character. So, and and again, I start thinking of Disney here. So things like Cinderella's fairy godmother, you have um, mm. Flora Fauna and Merryweather are a bit like that you have i mean like mama odie she's at least got a bit personality but she's a bit ridiculous as well and while that's fun it does it, you get that thing where why couldn't why couldn't we have the film be about mama odie i'd watch that <laughs> it's it's the jolly matron stereotype yes, isn't it exactly or you know the a bit crazy and then i, I think of the simpsons and the cat lady <laughs> Oh gosh, the cat lady. Yes, exactly. Exactly. She's mad, you know. <laughs> um, Megan, you did a um, really good example uh, in, in your email earlier about um, the Dark Crystal, Augra, yes. who is a wonderful character. She's and brilliant. I really want her, my the pop final figure of her because she's just amazing. She's um, but best. yeah, she's she's a great character. And, and um, she's a perfect example of what we're talking about here. I mean, she obviously isn't the protagonist of the Dark Crystal, but she's... Um, yeah, okay, she's a bit crazy, but she's like an astronomer. I mean, she's built this enormous kind of orrery in, in, in like, you know, this incredible um, dome and, and defends it from, you know, I know it, it gets set on fire in the end, but she's so fiery and she insults the Skeksis and she's just like such a great character. And that, that we don't see many of that kind of character. Yeah, and I would say um, with Olga, she's particularly brilliant in that she does sort of play somewhat to that wise elder kind of stereotype um, which again is kind of usually for men um, yeah but she's there with that but that she's also you know she goes thieving <laughs> towards the end and and things like that and I, I also love that while she does play up to the um, the wise elder tropes she also doesn't spoon feed Jen you know he's yeah. going well, I need a crystal shard. She goes, here you go. Dumps them, you know, and he's going, well, Don't which one? Don't know. That's brilliant. Yeah, so she's not going, she has, she's letting him basically figure it out for himself. Yeah. 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 And that, I, I really like that because it, it's playing with that trope a little bit. And uh, yeah, she's just good fun. I love her. So since we're talking about the uh, the wise elder trope, uh, what do we think about it? Do we think it's still very valid? Do we think it's being overused? And do we think it's even possible for a younger person to fulfill this role instead of an old person? I definitely think that the wise elder thing is overused. Um, but again, like so many of these tropes, if you just started to actually play with them a little bit and maybe invert some of it, um, which is actually... oh. Let, Lucy, you ready for a bit of a, a an ego boost here? This is why I love Starburn, <gasps> Starborn, because <Hey>. um, <laughs> so Lucy, <laughs> the wonderful Lucy, took um, lots of those fantasy tropes and then kind of played with them, and that just made it it really fresh and interesting. And 
I think that there's a lot of opportunity for that with things like the Wise Elder, um, and again, like we were saying with Olga, like just even some stuff like that where the Wise Elder is just has definitely their own personality and maybe doesn't necessarily just stand around going, you know, with ridiculous things going, oh, you, you, Darth Vader murdered your father. Uh, well, it was the truth from a certain point of view. It's like, no, Obi-Wan, you were just talking crap. Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, yeah, there's, I, I think there's definitely space for that trope to be explored in different ways. And I would like to see that happen. And as to whether or not a younger person could could play that role, absolutely. You find, I, I mean, so uh, for those of you who don't know, I do not like children. Um, it's just a thing. But at the same time, I do recognise that some children are quite eerily just, they they know what's going wise. on. And they, yes, eerily wise. And, you know, I think absolutely there could be um, a young person that that could fill that role and actually i'm thinking of it's not a genre piece but i'm thinking of 500 days of summer if either of you have seen that yes i have seen it many yeah. years ago and well uh his little sister in it basically is kind of his wise person in it <laughs> and he goes to her for advice on love and she gives him much much better advice than his you know 30 odd year old friends um so there's definitely room for that. And I would love to see some like just playing with these ideas and, and having a bit of fun and not relying on necessarily what's what's come before. I think um, going with the, the, the wise elder trope and, and, and the possibility of subverting it, I think J.K. Rowling did it really well with Dumbledore, because when you begin reading Harry Potter, he's introduced as very much the stereotypical wise elder, you know, the long white beard, the twinkling eyes. You know, he looks after Harry in a kind of mentor like relationship. And but it's not until you get into the later books that you begin to learn a bit more about Dumbledore and realise that he's fallible in, in a really big way and that he's got this, you know, that he has a dark past that is actually um, d- deeply colouring his judgement. And then, of course, the other thing that's colouring his judgement is his quite unique relationship to Harry. And that's so interesting that but it's the fact that you don't find that out until later because actually it's it's Harry's development as you know for going from a child to a man he begins to recognize these he begins to see beyond the stereotype he begins to see underneath that kind of exterior of the wise old mentor to the character beneath and I think once you get you know to that to the end of Harry Potter you realize how complex a character Dumbledore actually is. But do you think that also um, would then come into the age of the readers? So um, I, a long time ago, read some interview with J.K. Rowling about how she wrote the books as though, you know, the readers were growing up with Harry. Yes, I know. And that worked really well for me because I was the right age to do that. I yes. did grow up with Harry. <laughs> and that. Because so in the early books, there would be no sort of real room for exploring that aspect of Dumbledore. Yes, because the, exactly. The readers, That's what's so good about it. Yeah, the readers are kind of on, on par with Harry and wouldn't get that. But as Harry grows older and the readers grow older, they are able to see and understand more of, of that depth of personality. Exactly. And that's that is a clever subversion because actually it's not a subversion in a way because actually you're, you're using Harry himself as 
the the mirror through which to view Dumbledore and to peel back the that the kind of idea that he is this you know um, infallible wise godlike figure who knows everything when actually and that is kind of what children think of when you know they, they always have someone they look up to like your parents begin to be that you you think that they could never cry they're completely strong they know everything and it is the process of growing up is part of beginning to kind of understand that these that you know you have to look beyond the the archetypes that we ascribe to people and stereotypes you ascribe to people so yeah i think it's a great example so we thought about truly old people um but what are your thoughts on the implications of the eternally young so those who have lived for centuries but look young and are immortal i mean i quite enjoyed the um the catherine kerr books which was um dagger spell and all that lot in Derry. have you i don't know if you've read those they're quite old oh, these days no it's sitting on my shelf on my tv red pile oh <laughs> uh, they're very good but they they have a character i don't think it's giving too much away to say that the character of nevin um the books aren't chronological, but at some point in the past, he has um, made a terrible mistake resulting in the deaths of either two or three people. And he basically says, I will not rest until I have put this all right. And there's a big rumble of thunder and the gods basically go, yes, we accept your your offer and you will now live forever. But the thing about Nevin is he kind of still has the odd grumbling complaint and he's not like a vampire. He sort of, he does live forever, but his, his body does get weary which is something you don't necessarily get in things like all the the vampire literature that you have these days so i mean what do you think do you think these eternally young characters still have something to add or do you think it's kind of negated by the fact that they're immortal and are forever young i'm in two minds here because i i I like vampire stories i like the stories of immortals and you know this idea of of living that long and the relationships you form even though you know that they'll be fleeting with people who are mortal and that kind of thing and I do enjoy that but at the same time I think they are problematic in that they're reinforcing um what Lucy was talking about earlier about the the sort of the cult of the youth um because you know so much of even just folklore and mythology you know is it's all about you know finding the fountain of youth to stay forever young to stay you know to be immortal and it's just reinforcing those kind of ideals so i certainly see those kinds of characters as being potentially problematic i kind of like so i've been a total nerd and i've been playing um vampire the masquerade uh as a role-playing game and so there's the whole thing where if you die um you know, you do, you have an apparent age, and then your actual age, you know, as, as a vampire lives on. And uh, one of our uh, players is playing a child who was um, turned into a vampire at the age of ten. And so the premise is that while she may be actually thirty in the number of years that she's been alive, because she was turned into a vampire at the age of ten, she's never going to be that much more of an adult. So because her brain is not going to grow anything, her body's not growing, she's kind of stuck in that world. She's going to forever be or have a childlike mind. I think Mm. that's potentially a bit more interesting. Yes. In fact, I was just about to say exactly the same thing. Um, Interview with a vampire. Yes. um, The the kid in that who really struggles, seems to struggle with the fact that she's in a child's body, but she has the mind of, she's actually, her mind has grown up Mm -hmm. and she's actually a woman. Um, and I, that's really interesting because, of course, she will never, ever be seen 
as anything more than you know a, a child on the surface and nobody will ever be able to kind of properly view her as a woman so in a way it's a curse then that kind of so so are we saying that actually it's not youth it's sexually mature youth that <laughs> is desirable not yes a, i mean yeah. child's body so it's like a very specific thing that we're talking about that you know this eternal youth that people chase after it's they don't chase after eternal childhood they kind of chase after eternal um teenage <laughs> puberty kind of you know like th- this this kind of age where you know you are sexually aware and you are uh, you know maybe physically an adult so it's it's very specific yeah, but it's again, it's interesting, you know, as we were sort of talking earlier about how it, it's it's hard to really talk about a character who's aging because they're still that same character and they might have, you know, let um, events of the past colour their personality or, you know, that it will change, but they're essentially the same character from when they're a teenager and to when they're much older and it might be difficult to see the difference between them as they've aged. You know, it might be quite subtle. Um, so how do you get that across in an interesting way for say a character who is 750 or you know like and and how do you represent that and how do you make that interesting and I'm not sure how you would do that in a way that would say anything in particular about being immortal I do have a an interesting extrapolation for that yeah. Thinking about what uh, Megan was saying earlier about her dad still being the same as as when he was like <laughs> sixteen. Now, see how would you how would you take a vampire and and make them seem like they've definitely aged while the world around them, uh, well they haven't aged while the world around them has, and you'd have to kind of go well you have to ascribe all the things of an old person to a vampire. So you'd have this thirty year old basically sitting there in slippers and a pipe and looking out and yelling at the kids on his lawn and doing all the things you might associate with Richard Wilson from uh, One Foot in the Grave and being the proper grumpy old old type. Now that would be a very interesting vampire type to go with, <laughs> someone whose mind has aged, but they're still a dapper, gorgeous 30-year-old. Well, I mean, that's kind of... gorgeous and yelling at local kids and complaining it wasn't like this in my day. They do that a little bit with Buffy, where, you know, the, she spots the vampires because they look 10 years out of date with fashion. You know, <laughs> there is some of that. But at the same time, what, you know, um, they could also be very good at keeping up with the times. You know, my grandfather's 93. He burns CDs. He, you know, gets onto YouTube. He's got an iPad. Like, you know, he's down with the kids. Uh, <laughs> um you should meet my grandma. <laughs> She's 97 this year. <laughs> oh, wow. Excellent. Um, but, you know, like, so there's, you know, the other side of it being, you know, um, someone who has aged in the mind yet is constantly trying to keep up with things that are happening currently and is able to do so because their body is not aging you know and how would that affect their character that could be some interesting questions to play with as well for a story it could be i mean most stories are driven by conflict so you kind of want a character who is at odds either with the people around him or if he's in line with them maybe with society and society's ideals with them that would be one way to look at it lucy any thoughts um well do you know you've have you read um the bulgariad series david eddings yes anyone well <laughs> polgara the sorceress Yes. I mean, 
they're both very old and um and i thought polgara is an interesting character because she even though she's described as like a beautiful woman um she kind of acts like you know um somebody's kind of maiden on in a way like yeah <laughs> she's you know she's very garion's kind of pretty much sees her as his mother she's quite motherly in a way she's she's interesting because in a way she isn't she's quite can be quite scary and quite un unmotherly but then the other side of her she is very loving um but then she obviously is an incredibly powerful sorceress and and if you read Polgara the sorceress um which actually tells her story the you know she was completely not like that as a child she was um you know running wild and so she actually has um a very different personality when she was a young woman kind of with brambles in her hair to the personality that we know when we read the Belgariad um so I thought you know if we're talking about how characters change and I think he's really he, he has actually managed to pull that off I know she's meant to be about four and a half thousand years old but kind of like she she definitely is quite different from when she's yeah, you know, um, young and but I think with, with Polgara and some of those characters you know it her change in personality comes from you know that that realization of what is important she's mm-hmm. i mean because even as an older woman she's you know she still likes to have a bit of fun she still <laughs> gets out there and goes a bit wild but she is focused um and yeah. that's the bit that's, that's changed so there's that element of seriousness to her that has come with age but she's still and responsibility yeah, yeah at heart i think she's still a bit of a wild child <laughs> she's cool i love her one of the um, questions that was produced within all the forums that you sent out was one that I thought was worth exploring a little bit further. Um, is it gender-defined roles that make it more difficult for a writer to write about women going off on conquests? So the question that kind of came up within the, the forums, which you may or may not have, have read, was it's it's more believable for the guy to go, hand me my sword, I'm going off to... Um, kill these people by the way just watch the kids for me while I'm gone and that we would accept that because that's the role of women whereas if you say for the woman to go right no husband you stay here and watch the kids I'm off to to fight the the goblins and whatever um that makes it a little bit more difficult because within certainly medieval fantasy and traditional sort of fantasy it is usually the woman who stays at home and watches the kids now I think there was one person who had the perfect answer which was um, if it was me, then I'd say, I'll take the right, you take the left, and kids, here's a sword. If anyone comes through the door, stab them, which I think is obviously what we would all like to read in our, <laughs> our books. But, I mean, what what do you think about that? I mean, for good or bad, do we think that the gender assumptions that we make about particularly medieval fantasy and maybe horror as well, so, for example, if you had a, a woman in a, a horror situation with kids and a man, who would you expect to to go out and, and kill the, the bad guy? Would you think less of the woman because she went out and left her kids with a strange man? Or would you see her as being the kick-ass mom that goes out and goes, no, I'm going to, to kill that thing before it kills my kids? What do we think about gender roles in that kind of area? <laughs> I definitely think there's room for showing that not all men are macho. Like, that's not toxic masculinity is a thing and (laughs) we need to start showing that there are other kinds of men um you know i i absolutely think that uh there are certain there are definitely women who would pick up a sword more readily than a man um you know men who wouldn't want to go out and fight men who would just rather stay at home with the kids and that doesn't make them any less of a man and we should have that kind of thing represented i was just thinking of spiders uh, I've had 
<laughs> that sounds really out. Are you being Australian? I, I am being Australian, yes. And taking uh, an ex-boyfriend of mine home to Australia. And, uh, oh my God, it's a terrifying Australian spider that's going to kill me. And, <laughs> you know, what do I do? I squish the thing, you know? I just get out there and get it done. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it just depends on the situation. Yeah. You're good at squishing spiders. And, and you know, he was being a wimp. <laughs> but that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, come on. It would be, if, if you took me out there, it would be me going, ah, the spider. <laughs> so I totally understand. No, I think it's great. I think we should have, I think any time we come up against any kind of, um, you know, uh, this is the the norm, this is what is expected, we should be challenging it and looking at other ways because there is uh, there has always been uh, another way when women have always fought <laughs> as we know yes i'm um, actually i i just had a thought as well so you could say like depending on what kind of time that you're sort of emulating in say a fantasy world say for example it's a time when you know reading is a thing and you have sort of a the gentleman class for instance what happens when, you know, you have the gentleman class and so the man reads, but the woman hasn't been taught to read and, oh, no, all of a sudden they need to fight. Ah, but the man needs to stay at home and, and do the books because the woman doesn't know how to read. So, hey, now the woman's going out and, hey, we've just come up with a new um, kind of gender role for her that makes perfect sense in the context of that world. So I think there's loads of opportunity to come up with new ways for that to make perfect sense and not kind of you know uh ruffle too many feathers in uh, the the rabid puppies corner oh, i think they're going to be ruffled whatever you do <laughs> <laughs> i can see it now megan's new novel the gentleman's warrior wife coming out <laughs> in 2019 that'd be a good one i think you should write it i want to see it a world where men stay at home and read the books i mean yeah I suppose that's still a good thing to say about men, you know, because reading books makes you intelligent and clever and, and, and dedicated and you know not, you know more about the world. So they have a very valid part of the society. And also there's the idea, as I said earlier, that all fiction or most fiction is driven by conflict. So it doesn't really matter which one is the bookworm and which one is the warrior, so long as they are clearly drawn characters and they have good motivation and good reasons for being that way, then it, it doesn't really matter whether the boy is the book reader or the girl is. It's still going to be a good story. Or we could just have men like seahorses. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, they like give birth to loads and loads of seahorses like yes. mini seahorses i really like this idea <laughs> is this your book coming in 2020 <laughs> yeah <laughs> men as seahorses men as seahorses <laughs> i just think it's fascinating so i mean exactly it, it, the thing is we w what you were just saying is true we, we don't have we we have to no you know look no further than the natural world to find um you know, not a completely the opposite of, of the gender conventions that we ourselves have lived with for thousands of years. Well, you just look at all of the, the males of like pheasants or peacocks or, or anything like that. And they're all they're all the ones that go out looking all posh and all colourful. And they're the ones that have to exactly. attract women. Yeah. None of this, you know, wearing bodices and corsets and minding your manners and being quiet in a corner. Oh, no, no, that's not how it works in the animal world. 
So I want to pick up on something that Lucy said earlier about passing the baton on to the young. So it's sort of a bit like the the wise elder, but I did wonder, and I am totally playing devil's advocate here, I'm not about to suggest um, that I believe what I'm about to say, but do you think it's possible that um, because by the time you're an older or an elderly person, you are supposed to have gained your, your knowledge or gained your power, that if you haven't done that and you aren't able to be the wise elder that you might be seen as a much weaker character and possibly a failure because um i think as one uh, forum user put it older people they know who they are and what they're doing and if you get to that point and you don't know who you are or what you're doing or what your purpose is and you haven't already fulfilled it then that doesn't necessarily um make you a very good character what do yeah, we think about bollocks. that <laughs> um <laughs> that's my Would you care to elaborate answer. uh I think that there's always room for change and there's always room for you to decide, oh, I think I've, you know, screwed up my life or I've made poor decisions and you know what, now I'm just going to try something that I actually really enjoy and I don't think that there's a time limit on that. You know, maybe life circumstances have made it so that it was hard to get out of whatever life situation they were in and, you know, it's not until they're in their 80s that they can Good for them, <clears throat> they'll do it then. Insert yes. uncomfortable anecdote okay. here. <laughs> Another one. <laughs> so, you know my grandma I was talking about earlier? Luckily, everybody, she won't be listening to this podcast. Because <laughs> unlike Megan's granddad, she's not really with the uh, technology. Uh, she does drink me under the table still, though. So the important things are covered. Um, <laughs> she was about uh, 82 or so uh, when she went back on the dating scene after my grandpa died and um she uh she's she's basically uh, never obviously she was never really you know sexually fulfilling relationship so she went out and bought some black underwear and got herself a boyfriend who she's still with and uh, famously said to him while wearing the black underwear uh what's a woman got to do to get a man into bed with her stand on her fucking head <laughs> <laughs> and the 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 basically it goes that he didn't want to get into bed with her because he'd already boil creamed his hair and didn't want to mess it up and she <laughs> she decided this was not a good enough reason for him not to sleep with her there and then and this is at 82 years old and she was she said this goes down in the, the annals of my family history that she said to my mum uh, it was it was very cruel for fate to have allowed her to discover and I quote and an organism at the age of 82 <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> <laughs> Grandma, that's not the word but we know what you mean <laughs> well see I mean good for her and, and I exactly. don't think there's anything weaker about her for not having discovered it until then just situations you know, it, it meant that she didn't have the opportunity to really learn. No, I mean, it's it's the way that people were forced, well, well, say she wasn't forced into marriage, but there was a certain, you know, when you meet, you know, meet a guy and he goes off to war and then he comes back and you're expected to marry and maybe you're not all that compatible. Uh, and that's the situation that they found themselves in for 50 years. Um, so, yeah, she never really discovered that kind of um, the, the thrill of sexual attraction, I guess. Uh, and, yeah, so ex exactly, you know, <laughs> just ties into what we've been what we've been saying this entire discussion yeah absolutely i think that your grandma would make a fantastic protagonist for a novel and i would absolutely read that <laughs> oh i will tell her she'd be very pleased she'd be like what the fuck were you saying about me 
<laughs> so uh, we obviously talked a lot about science fiction, fantasy and horror, but obviously they don't stand in isolation, really. So I asked my husband and also uh, Lee Harris of Tor.com, because he seems to know an awful lot about books, uh, what they thought of as strong female characters. And they came up with a lot of elderly, strong female characters, but within other genres. So we had um, Maggie Smith from Downton Abbey, Hmm, um, Gina Davis in The Long Kiss Goodnight, which comes under the, um, the idea of uh, the girl going, here, you watch the kids while I go out and machine gun these people. Um, Brendan, uh, sorry, Brenda, Brenda and Effie, which is um, a book about people who run a, a B&B in Whitby with some very strange goings on. Uh, Miss Marple, uh, who's obviously a very strong uh, character, not in the elder, um, the wise older, well, sort of wise old elder, but obviously very strong sort of crime. Hot Fuzz, which has a lot of elderly people within the neighborhood watch kicking ass and having machine guns and basically running their community. Yep. Um, so there are obviously there are a lot of roles within um, crime, within um, historical. I don't know what would you call Downton Abbey historical soaps. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Long Kiss Goodnight, I suppose, is sort of action again, sort of crime or mystery. Miss Marple, very much mystery. Hot Fuzz again, crime and mystery. And it brought me around to thinking that I know one of the the threads that Megan sent around said that women, rather than resolving things with swords, tend to resolve them with their minds. And I wondered what you thought about that as whether it was something that you think was correct and whether there was a way we could maybe have an overlap with people like Miss Marple and Maggie Smith from Downton Abbey into the horror genre and the um, science fiction and fantasy. What do you guys think? I mean, well, definitely. I, I don't think that, you know, just the fact that we're smarter... <laughs> Uh, doesn't mean that we wouldn't resort to fisticuffs if it came to it. Um, but I think this also uh, links back to what we were talking to Juliet McKenna about, where she was saying that women tend to fight smarter. They don't necessarily, you know, go in guns blazing. They take their time and, you know, just they win the upper hand by being clever. Um, so that doesn't necessarily mean they won't fight, but they might you know, take a moment or two to think about it and then, you know, just find the weakness. Yeah, I I think that there's definitely room for more of that. And um, I'm thinking people like Sigourney Weaver, you know, she started off, you know, as the young, you know, action, sci-fi, horror um, protagonist. And she remained in those roles as she was getting older. And then, um, you know, she's still in things like Chappie, um, you know, she she still appears in these kinds of stories, uh, and she has, I think, I mean, if I met Sigourney Weaver, and it it came down to a a bar fight, she would kick my ass, like, <laughs> you know, and I I think that you wouldn't necessarily get that in a story. You don't see a lot of that, you know the the 30 year old up against I don't know how old she is but you know the, <laughs> meeting someone you know double your age and you you know the young person being absolutely pummeled because they're just cocky or not trained or you know it's it's definitely something that I think should happen a lot more you mean like experience being put into practice so you know they've got all that. this experience like, but they don't even use it and not just that but I mean, I okay. I'm really unfit. Like you know, I do some Pilates. I I do a bit of like 
cross trainer, you know. But my dad runs miles and miles every week and he does orienteering and he does this and that and he's 60 and, you know, I couldn't even run around the block without completely losing my breath. And I just think that that's, um, you know, usually they just, people tend to go, oh, well, you know, the young person is going to be younger and fitter and stronger and healthier. And, you know, no, this young person eats all the the pizza and... uh, (laughs) So your interests are pizza and his interests (laughs) are running. Yes. and I just, yeah, it, it's that kind of thing where people kind of go, oh, well, you know, they're the young and up and coming person. And it, it doesn't even necessarily have to be that they, this person is wise or that knows how to fight better or that is, you know, it, it doesn't have to be any of that. It could simply be mm. this other person just, you know, never got off their ass or, mm, yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and it just never seems to come up in, in interesting ways. And there's also the fact that your dad presumably has more time than you. So if he wanted to go uh, to a karate class, he could do. Well, Whereas yours, I you're suppose, stuck kind of slaving he, away. He's not retired or anything. No, but I'm just, I suppose I'm thinking again <laughs> of all the people fighting smarter. They've got all this time on their hands where they, you know, admittedly not your dad, but <laughs> you're talking within the context of the book, you've got an older person, um, even in a fantasy setting, the, the older grandmother or grandfather, whatever, is still involved within the family, but in a more kind of supporting role and it's the mother and the father running around doing stuff and while they're running around doing stuff what's to stop the old man going out and learning how to to shoot a longbow or to you know fight in single um in hand-to-hand combat whilst everybody else is concentrating on trying to run uh the household and i don't think that's something that's taken up enough Mm. um i certainly know in one of the books that i was um i was planning and i've got a load of notes on i have a young girl whose parents are too busy to help her and for various other reasons do you know want to keep her within the stereotype role Mm -hmm. but her grandfather sees a need for someone to protect the family and says well look your parents are too busy i have all this knowledge i will kind of pass it on because i've got more time and i am just it's not that i'm any wiser than your father in fighting it's just i have more time so i will use that time to enhance your knowledge and we'll work together to protect the family. Excellent. Um, I think there there are two kind of stories here that I want to give a shout out to, but neither of them are genre. So one of my favourite writers is Graham Greene and he does the wickedly funny Travels with My Aunt, which is all about this uptight sort of middle-aged man uh, going off with his, his aunt or his great aunt, I can't remember, um, and her lover and she has wild parties and she likes marijuana and she <laughs> it's just, it's brilliant. It is absolutely brilliant. And yeah, I want to see her kind of character in um, some kind of fantasy, sci-fi, horror. That, that would be great. Um, and the other one that I want to shout out to is a TV show that was actually one of my favourite shows as a kid. So this just goes to show that children are more than happy to watch stories about older folk. Uh, I think I know where this might be going. Uh, Go on. Next of Kin. Oh, no. I was going to say Super Gran. <gasps> oh, no, I, I, I don't know that one. Maybe it didn't That's make it to age. Australia. <laughs> Well, yeah. Um, But so Next of Kin, it was a BBC show um, and the the main old woman in it was just, oh, she was fantastic. And she used to, she was such like a 
cranky old woman and she'd hook people around the neck with a walking stick. She was brilliant. And I was like six and I would be like, I that's what I want to be when I grow up. I want to be her. <laughs> Actually, now you mention it, I remember, and again, I'm going to be showing my age here, but I remember watching a, a series called Waiting for God with... Um, oh my goodness, that's what I meant. Yeah? That's what I meant, not next to Oh, is it? Oh, yeah, and I wanted to be Stephanie Cole's character. What was she called? I can't remember, but she used to like... Yeah, she used to like beat up the pigeons and things yeah. like that, didn't she? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, that's, that's what I true. meant. Ah. Yeah, sorry, yeah. that's what I meant, yeah. Waiting that, for God. That's exactly who I wanted to be. Yeah, oh, there you are. So we, we both wanted to be the same person. Yeah, when we grew because up. she's amazing. She's cool. <laughs> Diana Trent, that was it. Diana yes. Trent. Well, I would like to give a shout out to a book that I read and blurbed actually in January this year called Metronome by Oliver Langmead. Um, and that's published by, um, it's it's uh, Unsung Stories. Um it's a small press. Uh, it's really amazing. Uh, it publishes really unusual fiction. Uh, and um, Metronome is great because the character is an, an old man, William Mandalay, who lives in a care home. Uh, and uh, his his hands are kind of ruined with arthritis. And it's kind of like a, a, a sore point because he's always he's been a sailor all his life. And so he's been doing he's, you know, he used his hands. Um, they're kind of very much part of his identity. Um, but it's a wonderful story. And it's basically about dreaming and the power of dreams and the power of memories. And the fact that actually, you know, it's about use in age as well, usefulness in, in age. And the fact that, that this is it, everything that we've been talking about. And it's often um, the author kind of makes comparisons with younger characters. And it's the younger characters who fall by the wayside and who are weak and they're weakened by their past experiences. Whereas it's William who actually goes on to you know, achieve what he sets out to do because he's actually strengthened by his ex- his years of experience. He's strengthened by the memories of the wife that he's loved and lost, uh, the memories of his daughter um, who he brought up alone. Uh, and it's just a beautiful, um, it's, it's a quite short book, but it's beautiful and it's uh, it's wonderfully written. It's, it's very Gaiman-esque. So if you like imaginative storytelling, it's perfect. It reminds me of George Louis Borges and his some of his quite mad short stories mm-hmm. um so it's it's just a really but it's what as soon as i realized we were doing this topic i thought metronome is a great example because i haven't actually read a book like it especially with a character who actually starts off in a care home um and you think this is so unusual um especially you know written by a young man uh, who it would, would have been so easy to you know choose a young protagonist like everybody else but he doesn't and it's it's that's the great strength of the book so, in Megan's words, it's clear that we're all gagging for some elderly action. Whether it's Diana Trent in Waiting for God, Brandy Weatherwax or William Mandalay, there are still plenty of stories left in the older generations and we'd all like to read more of them, please. Thank you for listening to Breaking the Glass Slipper and we'll see you again soon. <laughs>